and welcome to the Irish Writers Podcast. We're three aspiring writers hoping to reach publication at some point. Um, I'm Maura and I'm writing at the moment, I'm writing fantasy fiction and I'm here with Kathy and I'm writing a rom-com. And I'm Kate and I'm writing just a big massive thing. And <laughs> <laughs> some ransom notes than um, usual. Yeah. This week, or, or rather a few weeks ago, I met with uh, author Catherine Ryan Howard who has a book coming out, it should have been out on the 5th of May. Um, and so I'm just going to uh, play it for, for the ladies here, and uh, then we'll, we'll discuss it. I'm Catherine Ryan Harried. Um, I'm a senior freshman down at the other end of campus Ooh. in the arts block where I'm not really studying English. Um, my debut thriller, Distress Signals, is out on the 5th of May, or will be out by the time this airs. Um, and I come from a background of self-publishing, so a lot of people might know me through my blog where mm-hmm. I dispense advice, not very sugar-coated. You've written essentially three non-fiction books, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is your first fiction? Yes. That's, that's come out? Officially. Um, I, I, I assume you've been writing bits and pieces of fiction for... Yeah, that was the problem, yeah. that they were all bits and pieces. <laughs> so um, how, is, how have you found this different? Well, this is what I wanted to do. Like, everything else was a detour. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've wanted to write a novel since I figured out that people actually wrote novels. Um, my first attempt, and I use the right attempt on purpose, was uh, when I was 17, I wrote this terrible YA novel about studying for the Leaving Cert instead of studying for my actual Leaving Cert. Um, I love it. Yeah. So that, neither the leaving, cert, the leaving Cert nor the book went well. So, uh, But I did submit it. I remember submitting it to Mercier Press wow. because at the time they were in Douglas, which yeah. is where we lived in Cork, um, and I thought that would make a difference. Mm-hmm. They'd be all impressed. But like one of the neighbours sent in a book they weren't. Um, then I, you know, kind of didn't write for a while. I think I was missing a very crucial ingredient, which is a good idea mm-hmm. for a novel. I would have ideas, but they would only sustain me for a few opening chapters, and then I'd get bored and, and leave them off. And um, Then I ended up going to work in Walt Disney World, and that turned into the first non-fiction book I wrote. Um, I never expected to write non-fiction, but it, you know, just, I had an idea for that, so wrote it, ended up self-publishing it. That, um, through a very long chain of events, got me a meeting with um, an editor at Penguin. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look, you know, we'd like to read some fiction. Are you, have you written it? And of course, I was like, that's all I, all yeah. I wanted to write was fiction. So I started trying. And the mistake I made is that, because my nonfiction was kind of lighthearted and mildly humorous on yeah. occasion, maybe, um, I thought, I'm going to try and write women's commercial fiction. Because mm-hmm. that's what Penguin published... It was also kind of funny, and I thought that's what will get me published. Never mind the fact that like I never read women's commercial fiction right. or have any idea how to write it or, or anything. Um, so that didn't go so well. So I'd write like maybe thirty thousand words, mm-hmm. have a meeting with Penguin. They'd be like, "This is what's working. This is what's not working." I'd go in and write an outline. This kind. Of, this is going on for a couple of years, and eventually, like I got a clue. Yeah. Is is the short because I love crime fiction I mean yeah. that's my big thing it's what I've been reading since I was 12 or 13 um, it's what I always wanted to write is this the longest answer in the history oh, of the world <laughs> we're like half an hour later and not to the, the punchline yet that's how we do it great um, but um, brevity is not my, my strong point 
So eventually, in around 2012, I got this idea for this novel on uh, a serial killer on a cruise ship, and I just thought, you know, forget it. Like, I shouldn't be writing what I think will get me published. I should be writing what I want to read. The story. The story that I want want to read but Mm -hmm. can't find on the shelf. And it was like, you know, an audible click. Like, I just knew it was what I was supposed to be writing. Then I procrastinated for a couple of years, but I did eventually get the novel finished. So that's brilliant. So when you were writing your fiction, they were kind of like memoirs and stuff like that. Had you, did you just kind of sit down and think back or had you quite documented your experience? Like, did you, did you journal or blog while you were having the experience? I, I did a bit. Um, like for Mouse Trapped, I definitely scribbled down a few things mm-hmm. while it was happening. Um, but the majority of that was written after the fact, mm-hmm. just, you know, from memory and going yeah. through photos and stuff. Backpacked was the one I wrote about backpacking, which was slightly different in that um, my mother, if she can't get in contact with me for six to eight hours, rings Interpol. So while we were backpacking every single day, we had a travel blog and I had to put something on the damn travel blog so she knew we were alive um, because we were in Central America and she was convinced we were going to all die violent death. So I did have that then to rely on. Yeah. So I wondered when I was looking at the stuff that you've written and the challenges that you face in writing fiction, um, was that really different? So when you're writing this non-fiction, you have this chronology at least, you know, things happen in order, and then you're going into writing fiction where you have to decide the structure, maybe it's chronological, maybe it isn't. Yeah. Was that a big challenge for you? Um, It's a challenge, yes, but it's what I love. Like, I love plotting, that's my thing. Like, I'm really into, you know, the architecture of story and, and making things work. Um, and there was huge freedom because you could make it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could do whatever you want. Whereas with the most traveled backpack book, I have to stick to what had actually <laughs> happened. And I had to kind of find a way to make seemingly random events fit into a kind of narrative. And yeah. um, it's kind of difficult because you're kind of imposing a narrative mm-hmm. on, on real life events. Whereas with distress signals, I went to town with my sharpies and my post-its and whole walls. So you're you're a plotter. You're the absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I love I love plotting. I would just it's the writing bit that I don't really Um, I love plotting. I use a lot of screenwriting techniques. Yeah. So there's a book that I just recommend everyone save the cat oh, by yeah, Blake yeah. Schneider. Yeah. yeah, I'm all over that. Um, and I just think I don't know how people write hundred thousand words without. Some yes, kind I'm of. I'm the opposite. Oh, I can't. I couldn't. Yeah, well, I. I, I, I go like listen to a fifty thousand words in the in the wrong direction. <laughs> I don't know how to work out my plot. Um. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you really, you know, were ready to really grapple with fiction. And yeah. I mean, I always had this idea in my head that I was too young. I mean, it's hilarious, but that I was too young to write crime fiction. That you needed to be old and you know. Wise and and experience more crime or something? Yes, you know, and, and go hang around with police or something. I don't know what I thought. I just thought, you know, I wasn't ready. And of course, looking back now, I realised that I was just, it was just fear. Yeah. Because that's what I always wanted to do. And I didn't really want to discover whether or not I could it's do it. Potentially so much easier if you don't try. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so much nicer to live in the world of possibility mm-hmm. rather than actually sit down and see, can I actually do this? Um, and I think, you know, the idea for distress signals, it doesn't really involve the guardie. It doesn't really yeah. involve any kind of procedural thing. They do make an appearance, but they're quite useless when they do. Um, so they love me for that. But so I definitely felt at that moment that like, that, you know, as I said, it was kind of an audible click. Like I really realized this is what I, mm. I should be doing. 
Um, because writing is hard, but it's not supposed to be soul-destroying. No, I think you know? it's particularly at the start, it's a lot of fun. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things I really noticed, and it, it, it really kind of identified for me what was right and what was wrong, is when I was trying to write the women's commercial fiction, I would be like, okay, this chapter has to be 3,000 words or whatever. Mm-hmm. What am I going to make happen that's going to last 3,000 words? And I'd just be sitting there, like, you know, drumming my fingers on the desk. Whereas with Distress Signals, I always knew. It was yeah. like, there was so much that had to come out. It was like, how am I going to get it into the 3,000 yeah. words? Um, and I think that's really where, you know, it's still difficult... There are still times when I feel like, what the hell am I doing? Um, what comes next, whatever. But really, uh, definitely for the beginning, anyway, like yeah. the first third, I was it like... It was ready to come out. It was ready to come yeah. out, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Um, I want to ask you, I know you've done self-publishing and Aryan traditional publishing, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's loads of differences, but the one I really <laughs> wanted to ask you about was the editing process. Okay. Is the editing process all that different between the two? I can't say yes and no. Okay. Right, um, and it's interesting to ask about editing because mm-hmm. usually when people talk about the difference between self-publishing and traditional, the word control comes yeah. up, you know, and that's what people want to know. So interesting you have to mm-hmm. say. Um, for me, it, the thing is that first of all, I absolutely love being edited. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I would just edit until the cows come home. Yeah. It's, it's the first bit where you're making <laughs> it up that I don't really like. Um, it really is fantastic. Now, maybe it's because of the editors I've had. So I edited with um, my agent's in-house editor. Mm-hmm. And then I edited with my editor at the publishing house. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just that they're particularly fantastic yeah. or something. But I absolutely loved it. And here's the thing. And I know this is kind of controversial and people may not want to hear it. And that's fine. But if I had gotten rejected mm-hmm. all over town if I hadn't been uh, offered representation by my agent Jane I think I would have eventually self-published Distress yeah. Signals and the version of Distress Signals that went to Jane that was before the editing mm-hmm. with her editor and before my editor at the publishing house was totally different and it was nowhere near what it is now mm-hmm. it was like raw material compared to the finished book yeah and I know I could have hired a freelance mm-hmm. editor, and I'm sure they would have been wonderful, but I just don't think the same experience would have occurred, because when you hire a freelance editor, it's just a, a kind of one-off, you know, you know. It's a, you're just hiring them for the book or the Service, project, yeah. whereas my agent and all her staff mm-hmm. are totally invested in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, my editor at the publishing house, like it, it is her career on the line. You know, yeah. she bought this book and now it has to sell. And I just have this, you know, I just got this wonderful feeling of us all wanting to make the book as, as brilliant as it possibly yeah. could be. And, you know, people have very weird ideas about editing. They think someone comes along with a red pen and says, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at all. What if it's going well, if it's being done properly? There's two things. First of all, um, an editor said to me years ago, the editor is the one who asks the questions. Um, and that's always stayed with me because the editor will say, does it really take 10 minutes to get from here to here? Yeah. Or would she really do that? Because it doesn't, it's not in keeping with her character up to this point. And, you know, I, I don't think that's the way to that place or whatever. If the editor doesn't ask those questions, the Amazon reviewers will, and it's too late then, you don't want that. And the second thing is that it's not prescriptive, it's like suggestive. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, you know, 
there's something lacking here or I think the ending of this chapter could be better. They don't say, make her say this yeah, or make him yeah. do that. And it's like the most fantastic brainstorming session because things spark in mm-hmm. your own brain that, you know, because you were so exhausted when you were writing the first draft, you never would have thought of. Mm-hmm. So the editing process for me is like black and white mm-hmm. um, compared to, you know, what I think it would have been for self-publishing. Just because everyone is so much more invested yeah. in the finished product. So when, did you use an editor when you were self-publishing? I used copy editors, which okay. is not the same. I felt that for Mouse Trapped and Backpacked and Self-Printed, that the story wasn't going to fundamentally change because mm-hmm. it was based on true events. Yeah. So I didn't hire a structural editor also because they were extremely expensive yeah. and I had no idea if the book was <laughs> going to sell or anything. Yeah. So I did have copy editors and a proofreader for the self-published one. And I was very lucky in that uh, the two women I hired to do the copy editing, you know, kind of went above and beyond because yeah. yeah. I knew them, mm-hmm. you know, the copy editing stage. But still... Um, you know, I think I got away with it in the non-fiction, but I do think if I had ultimately self-published Distressing Love, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the book it is today. It's so interesting to see the really effective production of, of having that kind of expertise and, like you said, invested. Yeah. And not just kind of in... in Hired for yeah, the job, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you can't read your book like a reader. It doesn't matter. If you put it in a drawer for 10 years... Yeah you would not be able to read it like a reader and they can um, and you all want the same thing like that's why I kind of get annoyed when writers kind of huff and puff about editing mm-hmm. as if oh you know I'm so precious and I'm so amazing and it just comes out this way and it should be left alone you know I, it, I don't know anyone who actually writes like that it, it's not you know so. it, it's not the way it's supposed to be yeah. done like editing is as much a part of the writing process as actually sitting down and, and making it up mm-hmm. in the first place and everyone has the same goal which is to make the book as, as good as it possibly can be and when I read the first draft of Distress Signals now which I try not to do I read it recently to remind myself how crap the first draft was because I'm writing the first draft yeah, yeah. of the second one right now so kind of to make myself better but what I see is, like, all the main elements are there, but it's like someone came along and tightened up everything and gave it a lovely polish yeah. and just made everything work. And, like, a couple of probably my favourite moments in the book where there's a big twist or a big reveal or something came from the editing process. Yeah. And I just it just would never have happened if I was left to my own devices. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good to know. It's really good to have that insight into, you know, what happens in that yeah. process. So uh, you you returned to study English, yes. And I'm just wondering, has that had an effect? Why? Because I'm wondering that too. <laughs> I don't understand why, because it seems, at least in the abstract, that you get to read a lot of books and talk about them. That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> it's not what actually happened. So have you found though that in doing that, it's affected how you're writing? Have you seen any? No, no, no. What happened with this is that. For the last, like, up until I got the deal, which was about a year, a year and a bit now ago, I had five years from when I first self-published my draft where I was just totally focused on getting published. Like, my whole day was about, is today going to be the day I get a message saying, we want to read the rest or whatever. And I really started getting down about it because it's very hard to put all your eggs in a basket when you've no control over the basket whatsoever. And then you don't hear for so long. Yeah, and like just the littlest thing, like, you know, hearing someone else, you know, got a deal, like puts you in a funk for... (laughs) 
you're like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. Um, so I just wanted something else. Mm. I just realised it was not healthy, what I was yeah. up to. So I thought, oh, you know, play for English Trinity. Mm. Um, because I also only read new books. You know, I was yeah. only reading very, like, as a new releases. Yeah. Um, or even books that weren't out yet. And I felt like I should go back and, mm-hmm. and find out what I was missing. Um, so that was the plan. But during reading week, which is six weeks into my first yeah. year of four, um, I signed with my agent. Mm-hmm. And then just before study week, like, I got the book deal. So by the end of the first year, I had everything I wanted. But now I was also stuck in college. Um, and it's been really, really difficult. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure, I mean, I hope I will make it to the end of the four years, but, you know, writing is, is my priority. Yeah. And uh, really, it hasn't had any effect, I don't think, on... Because the book was written before I yeah. went yeah. in, and you can imagine commercial fiction isn't exactly yeah. lauded down there. Um, so it has been very interesting, mm-hmm. I would say, but I don't think, you know, to me, yeah. it's very much something I do, like, on the side sort of thing. It's not, yeah. my, not my full... I do wonder thing. if you're going to see, kind of, it in future books, something appear. I, I really don't, I don't know how it could, yeah. how it could happen, because, you know, the stuff we're reading, or, yeah, the stuff we're reading and, and studying is mostly extremely far removed yeah. from the kind of thing I write, um... You know, I'm totally focused on commercial fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on writing as entertainment yeah, yeah. rather than literature. Um, I'm not going to give basically. <laughs> I'm not going to give them any credit if that's what you're looking <laughs> no, for. No, no, no. I'm, being, I'm incredibly cynical because I work here. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that there's um, so much scope for. I think there's a lot, a lot of snobbery, which is totally. Bullshit. Yeah, but yeah. but I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's particular Trinity. I think no, it's like no, every no. English part. There's a notion of literature and then yeah. it's what's commercial. But in reality, if you're writing, you want to make money from writing. Well, <laughs> here's here's really my thing about money and writing, right? Because you know, if you want to get punched in the face, you can say to me like, "Oh, I don't want to make money from writing," which they all say down yeah. in the the which arts is wonderful, Which means you must have money from somewhere else. Yes, that's lovely. If you know you're a job. <laughs> um, what I say to that is. First of all, money is the wrong word, right? Because if you make money from writing, what you're actually receiving is royalties. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about not making money from writing, but having readers. Yeah. And if you don't want money from your writing, what you're actually in effect saying is, I don't want anyone to read what I've mm-hmm. written. I don't want readers. And if that's the case, go home, start a diary and save us all the bother. Yeah. Because... I want readers, that's mm-hmm. all I want, and if I have them, I'll have money, mm-hmm. and I'll be making money from my writing. And if you don't make money from your writing, and you don't want to, I just have to assume you don't love writing as much as I do, because it's all I want to do. Yeah. And yeah. if you won't make money from it, and you don't have a trust fund or something, you're going to have to do something yeah, else. Yeah, so you can take your time away from Nine to five, yeah. five days a week, however many weeks yeah. a year, um, and you know I want to avoid that if mm-hmm. possible. So... I think it's just utterly ridiculous when people say they don't yeah. want to make money from their Now, having said that, if I won the lotto tomorrow, I would still write. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing it for the money. For commercial fiction, if you write commercial fiction that people want to read, you will sell books. Yeah, okay. And you do get paid when you sell books. So that's all I would say. I know, I know we're all struggling with getting it to the point where someone could read it. You know, right. Like we're all in that like... 
not again, another round of edits again, you know, yeah. race, and that's tough, but I think, yeah, if you're... I think, though, it's all worth it in the end, like, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been through my book at this stage, I mean, it must be, like, 50 or 60 times I've actually mm-hmm. read it, um, and that's why I would say, and I've said it, like, on my blog in the past, you have to write a book that you are madly in love with, mm-hmm. like, even now, even though I'm, you know, S-H-I-T sick of <laughs> <laughs> looking at it. I still can read it and I can still feel like I like this. I yeah. think I produce something good. Whereas, you know, some people, they write books, maybe just to write the book or whatever. And after a couple of times going through it, they're like, I can't even stand this anymore. You know, I feel like that. But, <laughs> you know, like that's very dangerous because yeah. you're then expecting a reader mm-hmm. to have a totally different experience with yeah. what you've written. Like, you know, I could have been writing all sorts of crap for the mm-hmm. you know intervening years before I wrote this, but really, the reason I think I got distressing was finished yeah. in the, before anything else came along. Just finished mm-hmm. was because it was a good idea. It was what yeah. I was supposed to be reading, and I felt excited about it. So you had that passionate drive to push you all yeah. the way through. I mean, you need a huge surplus of it to begin mm-hmm. with because you know, it, like I know people who have written up amounts of drafts of their book I, I don't even know how they know what they're looking at anymore mm-hmm. they've been through it so many times and you know you could really only sustain that if you are so excited about your idea and you really sit down to enjoy it like I'm not a huge proponent of writing fast but there's a great book by Rachel Aaron called from 2k to 10k mm-hmm. where she talks about doubling your daily work count. Yeah. But what I really, it's just a little ebook, it's like yeah. 99 cent. But what I really love about the book is the section where she talks about how she feels when she writes. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, she had this light bulb moment one day where she was like, what I'm doing is creating entertainment. Yeah. And if I'm not entertained when I'm writing it, no one's going to yeah. be entertained when they're reading it. And she talked about getting to a point where writing her book was almost like reading it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fantastic, you know, it's flow. Like, that's what she's talking about. She's talking about getting into this this zone where everything is right. You know, it takes sometimes a lot of work to get into that little five minutes of flow or whatever. Like, your coffee machine is working overtime. But that's what I would say, that, like, writing is supposed to be hard, but... You know, there has to be some joy in yeah. the experience of doing it. No, I agree. It. I think, and I think we have we go we have ups and downs, but I think that some essence of it is that I actually really enjoy writing. I I do. Um, I there's always a I always have some one out where I think, oh God, why? Yeah. But do you yeah. have any methods or tricks that you use when you do get stuck in a plot? I don't really get stuck in my plot. Okay. Like, I, it's not that I don't know anything at all because I have things, I have, like, signposts okay. marked out. Yeah. But um, just on a more micro level, like, what will, you know, how will this chapter go? Or, you know, I know where I am and I know where I have to get mm-hmm. to, but I'm not sure yeah. how to fill in the thing. I don't really have any techniques except to just, you know, curl up in a ball and watch Netflix instead. <laughs> it really helps to have an idea that you're really, yeah. you know, you're excited about. I mean, I think it was Maeve Binchy who said once that, like, you know, she writes books like she has a story to tell a friend mm-hmm. and she just wants to keep going until, you know, the story is out. And, you know, you have to try and take a step back and take a deep breath and think of it like that. It's all yeah, like you're yeah. doing this because you're supposed to like it. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
It should be fun. Yeah. It should be fun. No, no, I agree. I had some other questions. Yeah. Girls particularly wanted me to ask you certain things. Kathy really wanted to ask about your networks. So she, she was pointed out you you're very well networked in the Irish kind of writers society and and that kind of thing. And she wondered, how did you get into it? Did you get into it from blogging? From doing self publishing, or were you? Did you have a friend who was in it? No, no. Your... Um, it all really came from Twitter, okay. right? Because. Like, this is something that I think is very important for people to know. Like, people look at me now and they're like, oh, of course she got, you know, a deal because she knows those people and blah, blah. Mm. It's not like that at all. First of all, that did not matter at all because mm. my agent was in the UK and I just went to her website and followed the instructions and just did, okay. you know, a slush yeah. pile submission. And mm-hmm. um, so none of that actually mattered in terms of getting published. But what happened is I was at home in my box room bedroom in my parents' house in Cork. It was like the end of 2009, started 2010. And I knew I was going to be self-publishing. And I knew that if I was going to sell any books, I had to you know, mm-hmm. use social media. So I joined Twitter, and one of the first people I got chatting to on Twitter was Vanessa O'Loughlin, mm-hmm. who founded Writing.ie. Mm-hmm. And she would be very involved in a lot of events yeah. um, around Dublin and everything. And her debut novel is coming out a couple of weeks after mine, um, under her name, Sam Blake. So I was chatting to her, and then, like, maybe it was the right time, right place thing, but... I just got to know loads of other writers, you know, on Twitter. And then we would meet in real life at, like, workshops or, you know, someone's book launch or whatever. And from the success of the self-publishing, Penguin Ireland asked me to do some freelance work. So that's how I got into that. Um, And eventually, like, you know, Cork and Dublin and Irish Mm. publishing is just so small that if you do make the effort to to go to events and to talk to people online and stuff like that, you just end up... You just end up meeting people. Like, yeah. I didn't know anyone. I was in Cork. I had no contacts whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of naturally happened because I was going to event. And I would always make the effort to, like, come up to Dublin for things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I'd have to, like, stay overnight and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I was asked to do, you know, speaking engagements and stuff like that. So you meet yeah. people at festivals. And it's just all quite natural. Like, yeah. I would never say I've gone to any, like, networking event or anything like that. terrible yeah. about um, but that's all it is. It's just such a small thing. And it's there, and you can join it. Yeah, I mean, there's no like secret handshake or anything yeah, like I that. I thought you were gonna tell me this. No, um, if I I wouldn't obviously if it was a secret. <laughs> but um, you know, there's like a writer there whose his debut novel was published a few months ago, and I just you know randomly was talking to her on Twitter, um, and she's from Dublin, and and she was like, I. I don't know anyone like mm. I I don't know I don't know anyone I don't want to go to these events because I won't know who to talk to ever and I was like just come along to one you know everyone is really really nice mm-hmm. no one is scary or anything especially in, in the commercial fiction world yeah. because you know everyone is really genuinely happy for everyone else and you know is reading other mm-hmm. people's books and being supportive and what happens then is like when people are putting together panels for festivals or things like that, or they need a quote for a newspaper article, yeah. they'll think of you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really, really important to actually be aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. what the marketplace is like. Um, you know, I would be reading the bookseller, I would be following industry blogs and stuff because if you were on Dragon's Den, which I was watching last night, which is why it's <laughs> on my mind now, um, and you were bringing out a product, you know, like one of the first things they always ask them is like, what, what about your competitors? Yeah. Like what else is out there? How does this compare to the price of your next biggest seller or whatever? 
you have to be aware of what's going on out there. You can't just sit at home in a total bubble yeah. and write a novel with the hope of getting it published without knowing what's getting published, yeah, what's yeah. coming out next year, because yeah. what you see on the shelf right now, that's over. Mm-hmm. Like, the books that are going to be out a year from now have already been bought. Um, you, need, you need to know, like, you should educate yourself as much as possible. Now, the, there is a risk of going too far down mm-hmm. that line. I mean, I know I've spent years of my life. I mean, I basically had a PhD and had to format a manuscript before I had any manuscript to format. Like, you can go too far. You still have to write this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you still have to actually do the writing and you have to do that first. Um, that should be a priority, but it definitely helps to know what's going yeah. on out there, you know? I mean, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff now to promote mm. stress signals. That, like, I feel like I'm the wedding planner who's finally getting married because, you know, I've watched so many people yeah. launch their books, promote their books yeah. online, and I've just been collecting a little, you know, list of things I want to do. So um, the book maybe would have gotten published even mm-hmm. if I was still in my box during no, you know, and down in Cork, but I don't think I would have been able to do what I've been able to do in terms of promotion yeah. without mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's probably good for a good uh, contrast to the solitude of writing as well. Yeah, well, I love the solitude. I mean, I would just (laughs) hang out with myself all the time if I just. No, I I love being by myself. Um, I mean, you know, I I just love it. Um, I'm really quite introverted, uh, even though it may not seem that way. But <laughs> it's probably quite good to meet people and actually otherwise yeah. I think you can end up in a very insular turn in writing as well. I really think that like it changed my life to meet other writers. Yeah. Um because like there's a couple, um we call ourselves the lovely girls, there's mm-hmm. two of us. Um none of us are girls. We're all <laughs> too old for that. But um, you know, we've been through like so much over the last few years and mm-hmm. um, you know, crying over, like, yeah. this didn't happen, and, oh, we just got the no from this person. I don't know how you would stay sane if you couldn't talk yeah. to other writers, yeah. because people who don't do this, who aren't involved in publishing, they don't have a clue. Yeah. Like, you can talk to family and friends, but they will never understand, like, you know, mm-hmm. the nuances of, of what's happening, like, the difference between getting a no from someone and getting a no plus a paragraph of feedback, yeah. and how that's, yeah. you know, a huge, mm-hmm. huge difference. Like, it's so important to, to meet and talk to other writers just for your mental health, I think. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I think, like, without Kate and Kathy, I certainly wouldn't have. I believe yeah. them. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, you know, we keep each other safe. And we're very, very different. And we yeah. write completely differently. So I feel like it's a really good way to avoid that thing where you only talk to yourself and people like you. Yeah. That someone else kind of goes, well, I, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't understand why this isn't here or this yeah. is here or what's the sequence and you get this kind of what it might be like for a spectrum of readers yeah you know and I yeah I just I would have stopped it you know? yeah I think I would have just been like clinically depressed I mean it just takes so long yeah like there is people who you know wrote a book and like yeah. next day they had a book deal but those people they're are crying so, on the inside they're crying on the inside exactly they're crying now because <laughs> most of them disappear without a trace but you know, that's not the norm. The norm is this will take such a long time. Yeah. It will take far longer than you think. And the journey you thought would be linear from A to B will look like, you know, massive squiggles. And you need people with you along the way who understand and yeah. who, you know, you can vent to and who won't think like, 
hashtag first world problems or whatever you know who will take you seriously yeah. so it's it's very very important but I do love the solitude yeah um, so I think things like Twitter and stuff are a great way because you can you can control when you want to go on it is like a water cooler mm-hmm. where you can you know go and chat to other writers but I, I don't mind the solitude at all I think <laughs> if you think like oh you know writing is such a, a lonely lonely road to like go work in a office yeah no it's not that I just think that you are alone which is fine I think most writers seem to be introverts as well but I think that sometimes it's not great to only be alone only be alone <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like you know after three or four days you're like waiting for the postman to come uh... so distressing most out on 5th of May yes yeah so looking forward to that um, yeah, I'm, take, I'm, I'm taking on holidays. <laughs> Hopefully not on a cruise ship. Uh, no, I, uh, I have to be on a cruise ship, so I kind of went, ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm mostly scared and nauseous. nauseous. Um, like, I am excited, but, you know, there's a lot going on. And also, I'm having a bit of an existential crisis with the fact that, like, I've wanted this for so yeah. long, I mean, 20 plus years, mm. and now it's actually happening, and what am I going to do then? So now you just um, have to write the next one. Yeah, well, that's what I should be doing. Uh, <laughs> I've exams starting two days before the book comes out, um, you know, it, there's just a lot going on, but I'm, I'm hoping I will be able to enjoy mm. it. Um, of course, I don't know if anyone's going to want to read it, and if they do read it, whether or not they like it, so it's just a huge unknown. It kind of mm. feels like on the 5th of May, I'm stepping off a cliff and yeah. I just don't know if there's a match or not. Yeah. So. Well, as long as they buy it, it's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, whether or not they like it, who cares, as long as they pay the money. <laughs> That's yeah. true. No, I, I do want them to like it because I want them to tell their friends who will like yeah. it. Yeah. 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 No. Um, Alison, thank you so much for no problem at all. talking to us <laughs> and um, we will watch your career with great interest. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. And we're back. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really great. Um, really could relate to a lot of things she was saying. Um, <clears throat> especially, like, just being an introvert and being okay with the solitude and, and sometimes just being spending hours, <laughs> you know, just lock yourself in a room and write for, and just be with your own thoughts and creativity and imagination. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, yeah, it's funny that she put words to it, but yeah, I could really relate to that. And, and she's a plotter like you. And she is a plotter. <laughs> I don't do the note, the the sticky note things. Yeah. Like I don't have things in front of me. I just have. You have them in your mind. I have them all there in my. It's it's my own digital form of organization. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also just with enjoying writing and the editing process and the whole idea of enjoying it, just not being bored with your own work. Mm-hmm. So she was writing, she was writing the book that she would like to read mm-hmm. and the 50 times that she's read through it, you know, yeah. she never got bored of it and she... Yeah, uh, yeah or at least it was something worthwhile. At least it was... Mm-hmm. You know, it was never something a read where it was like, set it on fire, you know. Mm-hmm. Which makes me worry. Because when, I, <laughs> because when I read my book, I'm like, oh, actually, I kind of feel like I want to set it on fire. So I'm like, oh, should I actually be like changing ideas and moving to something different? Well, I, mm. I think to not, I mean, we're not a monolith as writers. Like, yeah. I, you know, even in talking to Catherine, and that conversation went on for quite some time because we're both talkers. <laughs> so, um, you know, I could see that she writes 
so totally opposite to the way I write, you mm-hmm. know? And we were saying, I was saying, like, I don't know what I'm writing until I write it down. And she yeah. was like, oh, my God, take some yeah. post-its, I'll give you some, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think different things, different strokes for different folks, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't, you know, um, say, ah, oh, you know, but I, I think that you're in a, just in a tough place, right? Mm. Um, and I think that there is value to what you're doing. I think it's just... There are some that are always some edits that are the worst, yeah. and especially with comedy. So we had this discussion about comedy afterwards, and I was like, the hardest thing about comedy is, you think it's hilarious the first time. Yes. You're like, I'm a freaking genius, ha 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 ha. But then you do more and you, you do more edits, and you don't remember what was funny. It certainly doesn't have that funniness. No, and they can't retain it. After the, way. the 50th time, no. yeah, it's because, just not funny. Because yeah. watching, you know, something on repeat. Because the not part funny. of humor is surprise, yeah. right? So it's a little bit different to pathos. It's a bit different to mm-hmm. emotion and mm-hmm. that, because that doesn't doesn't require surprise. But because mm-hmm. humor is almost the spontaneity yeah, of the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you don't yeah. see it coming. Yeah. That's, that's, funny. that's why yeah. so many yeah. sequels that they think, oh, let's mm-hmm. let's re reintroduce this joke that yeah, and it 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 never works. Yeah. yeah. Find new jo- jokes. Yeah, you have to do Zoolander new things. Two, find new jokes. <laughs> 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 but. So I think that that's a little different. So I, mm. I, but I do think, and actually really reminded me, listening to it there now, of Roland, what Roland talked about, mm-hmm. which was that meaning what you say and saying what you mean, mm-hmm. the passion mm-hmm. of like wanting to write about this and wanting to have something that comes from you. I just think you're struggling a little bit extra because it's comedy. Yeah, because I, I guess when I was listening to that, I was like, no, I mean, great interview and a, a lot of really great insights in it but I guess I was listening to it and you know we're on our retreat and we're, mm-hmm. we're writing and we're right in the middle of things and mm-hmm. I was just like I wonder is it that she is just kind of a little bit further down the road and maybe she she's looking back with a little bit of rose tinted lenses yeah and yeah just a, little bit, just a little bit yeah. you know um, that she doesn't remember hating one of the 50 times that she read it <laughs> you know um, or or am I just being delusional and just being like, no, she loved it every single time, and you? Well, we have well documented podcasts of us all hitting that wall, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I wonder, basically, do you know what she was saying that she was trying to write uh, women's commercial? Yeah. And she, you know, she was trying this, and she thought it'd be good, and I'm sure she had something that she wanted to get out and a mm. story that she wanted to tell, but she just kept hitting this wall. And it just well, I think in that away. case, it was it was not her genre. She didn't read it. No. It wasn't the genre that she. Yeah. Whereas you write in the genre. You you read I'm writing genres I read and I think that mm-hmm. and it may be because I got the sense of a larger discussion mm-hmm. that she in she thought it was it was a commercial thing that you were in she thought there was a market for it there was an audience for it she had contacts in the area right. okay. so that's why she went down that road not because she had passion for women's commercial fiction okay. her passion was for crime mm-hmm. and not in the committing crime sense we so I think like yeah. for her that was like finding that passion was mm-hmm. really key mm-hmm. and you can see it in her I mean I was turning away to her like she's so enthusiastic about oh, she is, yeah. about this opportunity to write fiction yeah you know where whereas I would kind of like I expect her to be a bit like god no it was a real challenge to kind of yeah. switch but she was like no this is what I've always wanted to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe it's like <laughs> she was saying earlier that she was like you know when she was sitting in the bedroom in Cork that she 
would hear other people getting deals and she'd mm. think, oh, for God's sake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this. But I'm hearing her enthusiasm. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> there are certain points. There's a little bit of green envy, maybe. <laughs> well, I also, she does know now that it was worth it because yeah, she true. sold that book. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's Whereas, yeah, like, uh, we don't. You yeah. Know? yeah, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you remember the climb to the top of the mountain, or do you just remember the scene that when you got to the top? But I do, I do like how she said, you know, <clears throat> some people write, they write the just to to sell books, mm -hmm. and once they get their million or whatever, they they could stop yeah. writing. But no matter what, if she won the lotto, mm -hmm. she would still be writing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's sign a sign of yeah. like true. Yeah, it's it's having that so. connection with the yeah. joy and the satisfaction you get from right. doing the writing. Yeah. You know, which then, not not all the writing, not all the edits, not all the everything, but overall. Overall, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that mm -hmm. too. I mean, even all the rejection <laughs> rejections. <laughs> I know, I, and that brings up another point that she she brought up was, you know, talking to your family and friends and they probably don't understand the nuances between like getting a, a rejection letter mm -hmm. just says thanks but no thanks yeah. and no feedback and one that mm -hmm. says no but here's what we thought mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like the other one the oh, last yeah. one is like the latter is like gold oh mm -hmm. yeah gold dust yeah, yeah yeah and 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 also makes you know that the, it was red it yeah. was red yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. and well, and you know, you know somebody who's completely has no bias. They're not your family. They're not your friends. Some someone's honest opinion. What and they're um, could improve knowledgeable. No, mm -hmm. they may not be the last word in anything, as no, we know no. from cases like J.K. Rowling publishing yeah. all her rejection letters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But they are in the industry, as opposed to, you know, if someone reads your book, and obviously we have all have friends who read, but maybe someone reads your book or whatever and they don't normally read and they're like, you yeah. know, or they don't read that genre or yeah. they, you know. Or they don't know what's current. They don't yeah. Know what's out there or... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also thought, um, it was interesting, she was like, go find writers to talk to because uh, like that, I think your families and friends, there's only so many times they can talk about your first chapter before <laughs> they're like, did we not have this conversation last week? Mm. Is it not the same conversation? Are you still writing that book? <laughs> yeah. We're like, but what has changed? Why are we having the conversation again? Yeah, you know? Yeah. It was funny when she's like, back in 2009, 2010, when I started, like, mm -hmm. that's when I started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I think she, she also, you know, you have a deal and then you have a deadline, you sure. know, and that is like, it makes you, I'd say, focus the mind, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, in a way that's different to us, even our own arbitrary well, deadline. we're still on yeah. a hope and a prayer, you know, whereas yeah. she had a, a contract, a deal and a, a mission. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're into different boats there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I definitely think it would You would deliver. If it's there, you will deliver it, you mm. know. Well, someone's saying that they want it. And you're yeah. Like, oh, do you know, somebody <laughs> wants this phone? Somebody awesome. wants yeah. me. Yeah, do you know, like, yeah, I, I can imagine you'd turn it out if you have to. Yeah. I liked her story about the editing process mm -hmm. and how she's, it, it was, it was a really good experience with her mm -hmm. editor and the, the publisher and because they were all in it together. No, it would be nice to have somebody who knows the right questions to ask, who's, yeah, an expert in that kind of field. Yeah, and I wonder then, it's because you're writing it together, mm -hmm. you know, which is, 
nice to have like a buddy along. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I know she was saying about like other editors that kind of do like a flyover mm. almost and are like, here's my opinion, mm-hmm. kind of throw it at yeah. you and mm-hmm. move on. Um, and it really, I guess, it depends on which which you need at the time, maybe as mm-hmm. you know. Where but you I are. think it's it's different if she's so when she's talking about these editors that kind of just come in and give you a they're not employed by the publishing house that you're with. So it's a right. totally different experience. Yeah. So the editor bought her book and works with her to make it the best sellable possible. Mm-hmm. possible. And that relationship, it's a relationship, it's a relationship rather relationship, than yeah. a service, you know? Mm. And that can go on for some time. Yeah, and then they make suggestions, not mm. tell you, you no. need this. You yeah, need to do but this. I think you're a little bit more beholden to them as well. Well, they're your publisher, so... Yeah, well, and, and, and not in a bad way. I don't mean that as a negative way, but I'm more like your publisher has an idea or a plan how they might sell this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you might have an idea and a plan what the book is mm-hmm. going to be. And in an ideal world, those two plans mm-hmm. match perfectly yeah. and everybody's working in the one direction. Um, but it's very hard to convey an idea and a strategy to somebody and make sure that they do fully understand it at the very start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think, where people get further down the road and realise, oh, actually, I didn't realise you wanted the book to go in that direction or I didn't realise that that's what we're working towards. And I think that's maybe where some of the conflict comes into mm-hmm. it. Sure. And I think, actually, that's why she said normally people ask me about control. Yeah. You know, in yeah, that... I don't think so much... I, and I understand the control mm. side, but it's not so much the control side I'm trying to talk about. It's more just working towards a different plan. And I think... You know, if you walk along a road with somebody, together you will decide to walk one path. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you walk along getting advice from Google, you mm-hmm. might pick a different path. Yeah, and yeah, just, sure. You know. And I think, like, again, that's all about good communication, mm-hmm. good involvement, you know. Well, it's kind of like writing a book with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a collaborative thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the ideas that you have collectively kind of result in a greater, yeah. Yeah. greater work. And with especially the synergy. They're com- they're they're coming from a point of like I know what sells, I know what yeah. works, I know what you know, yeah. um and particularly and and I I might not have it might have it might have been slightly chopped out, but at some point she said I'm not talking about literary fiction. No. I'm just talking no, about no, commercial fiction. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean yeah, yeah like the, the ultimate aim is to sell it, and mm. um, so it's always good to have somebody with their mm. eye on the end goal, and um, because I guess as a writer your eyes might be more into the book rather than. Mm-hmm. at the market she had just had a very interesting perspective being as she is at mm-hmm. just at this point it's a very interesting yeah. juncture juncture mm-hmm. for her so i see a lot of writers on twitter and, and facebook and stuff like that and a lot of them are quite bad at social media but she's actually very very good at it mm-hmm. you know yeah like uh you see a lot of um <laughs> i never get so many automatic responses as from following authors and writers for the podcast yeah mm-hmm. like which is just actually not the done thing on yeah. twitter and they're the only people who do it yeah um and you know they they don't use the personal like nature of social media but she's actually very very good mm-hmm. um and in you know has brought that in so i kind of did laugh when she said i'm like the wedding planner who's finally getting married because yeah. <laughs> you can see you can that see that like she's like doing this you know quite interesting launch um you know and uh, and you know she's incredibly human. Like she's terrified, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully now she's relaxed because by the time this comes out, the book will have been out a week. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and you get you get to say like that thing where, you know, and I think we've probably all faced it in our lives so far, where you have to ask the question of yourself whether you want to actually do it 
or you'd prefer to leave the pristine potential of doing it yes. right. in a yeah. in a corner untouched and forever wonderful. Yeah. Then, no, it's no, it's out in yeah. the public. And it's, well, and it's like your bank balance, it's never your potential, it's never as good as you <laughs> so yeah. And there's the potential mm-hmm. of, you know, people who just like to criticize for Yeah, you know, putting it out there yeah. and you know But yeah. she has got like all her like she's kind of got like some way all her ducks in a row she's gone about it the right way Mm -hmm. she's kind of insured like you know I know she's saying she's stepping off a cliff but in some ways she has like you know peeked over the cliff to see if there might be a ledge there she has like looked around to see if there's other people she might even be wearing a parachute like a lot of other people yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it is it's it's good to see it's good to see someone use the machine as well really well Mm -hmm. and in a way that adds value because she does blog about writing things Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that are interesting she has a whole like the thing that I looked at and I was like whoa I didn't know anyone had written this down all about how you solve the like getting the tax back from the Kindle the withholding tax yeah you know things like that that are really practical and really involved in the writing uh-huh. you know sphere in but, but without and, and in, of interest yeah. without necessarily just being I'm selling at you I'm selling at you I'm yeah. selling at you you know yeah. so you can see how good she has been about building that community you know mm-hmm. which is quite interesting yeah. Yeah. Um. anyway so her book uh, should be out it's always out on the 5th um, of May uh, it's called Distress Signals and uh, we wish her all the best yeah absolutely yeah. Can't wait so uh, we'll be Back next week with uh, a report from our writer's retreat. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see you then. Okay, Bye. bye.